fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Wolf back. What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Road Street, RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thank you. Just absolutely thrilled to welcome back for the third time now, the Ringer's Danny Kelly. You can find him at Danny B. Kelly. He's one of the Ringer's top fantasy football draft and overall NFL writers. In addition to co-hosting the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, one of my favorites. Always some unique episodes <laughs> and talking points. So I love turning into that one. If you haven't heard it, you guys got to listen in. Danny, thanks so much for coming on on this Friday. How's everything going, man? It's going really well. Uh, we were talking before the show. Got a little bit of Sunday scaries going on for the season. <laughs> the grind is officially here. Well, it's pretty close to being here anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm actually like I'm one of those like weirdos that likes watching preseason football. So um, it's been kind of fun getting back into it. Real football, real uh, you know plays and everything. It's kind of fun watching all the rookies. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just ready for the season to get going. Absolutely. Yeah. Once this, once you get to this point and for me, it's double scaries, as I was saying, because I got school starting up in just a week or <laughs> yeah. so. So it is doubly scary for me, but yeah, the one golden, you know, <clears throat> silver lining to it all is football's back on TV and it is the absolute yes. best. Uh, so I, I'm pumped. I'm with you. I love preseason. I love preseason DFS. I'm a pure degenerate of that nature. We'll <laughs> toss in some DraftKings lineups. Why not? Always a good time. Uh, and one of the most important things, of course, that you guys are all tuned in for is it's fantasy draft season. And that's why we got to get these rankings right for you, these tiers right for you. And we'll be diving into the top 40 fantasy football wide receiver rankings. I, I think the, the ringer, by the way, I guess I should have shouted out the way you have the rankings on the site are just so I, I don't know how you do it. I wish I knew because I would <laughs> love my site to look like that. It's awesome yeah. how the guide you can click on a player. It shows their profile, the filters, the especially the draft tracker sheet. Like there is so many cool tools that you guys have over there on the ringer. So whoever your web developer is, cheers to them. They yeah. are fantastic. Uh, but man, awesome. I love your guys draft kit. I love your guide and the, the articles you have up. Is there anything specific you'd like to plug about that before we dive into these receivers? Yeah, I mean, you alluded to it, but well, I think the thing that kind of sets us apart is the usability. Both, it's actually really good on mobile too, which is kind of mm -hmm. rare. Um, but yeah, the the one thing I think is the coolest about it, and I've, I've, my, some of my friends have told me this is really useful, is we have this what you call the draft draft tracker, and you can click on the players that have gone off, so you can follow along as your draft's going on, click players that have been drafted, and then you can see really easily who our top ranked guys are, basically. And so, like that will give you an idea if you if you like. What we do, if you trust us, then it'll show it'll show exactly who is still on the board and, and still ranked really highly for us. It kind of it's a good way of like comparing to, um, you know, like the ADP or whatever that's on, like whatever platform you're drafting on could be like vastly different than ours um, and then our rankings. And so it kind of can tell you which guys were especially high on, which guys were especially low on. And then that helps you kind of make your decisions in the heat of the moment. So that I think is the most useful thing that we have on that. And um, I, I wish I could take credit for the actual like user interface but i can't but it, it is really awesome i think so yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's a great tool i love it as you said to it really highlights your guys rankings a uh, great way to just you can flag players down it's, it's awesome yeah. it's a really really awesome unique tool out there but as mentioned at the top we will be talking top 40 wide receivers i obviously cannot hit every single one of these names but i'll just bring them in already here to start where i'll have mine side by side with uh, the ringers, you can see the ringers on the left, mine on the right there. We'll talk through the tiers, the names, see if there's any big, strong disagrees, strong agrees, all that good stuff as we go to help you guys navigate that receiver position. Before we get going, if you don't mind hitting that thumbs up button, hitting the like, the shares, retweets, wherever you're tuned in here, it does help us so much to grow. It's so greatly appreciated. And if you enjoy the show while you're tuned in, then please consider subscribing, helping us grow the channel. It would be so greatly appreciated. Of course, I'll hit all your questions in the mailbag after the show, after Dan, uh, Danny's gone here. So by all means, get your questions in and I will hit those at the end. Alrighty, so let's start diving into these. I do obviously want to give the preface. These are obviously the staff composite rankings. So of course, and you guys had a great episode. I, I very highly encourage anybody to listen to their wide receiver rankings and tiers first episode they did over at the ringer fantasy football show 
Um, there's tons of great discourse, and I know that's gonna. Well, we'll we'll try to generate some of that here again today. Yeah. But I know these aren't 100% <clears throat> your ranking, so there might be a few that I'll point out, and you might say, "You know, actually, I love that guy," and yes. you know, that's just a composite thing. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll definitely dive into that. I know you mentioned the top; these are about to go through an update as well. So there might be a few things that could be changing. So it's kind of yeah. a useful exercise in that sense to see who may have risen or fallen since the last update as we go. And I know we can't talk about every player in the top 40 uh, and squeeze it in, but we will definitely make sure to highlight some of the biggest questions you guys might be asking yourselves uh, as we look through these. So that's either a good preface. Anything else you want yeah. to chat no, about? I, get in? I think that's perfect. I mean, yeah, like I was telling you before the, before the show, it's a little fluid. We change our rankings weekly. So yeah. um, I think we, we do, we're do we due for a little bit of a tier, tier break update in terms of like who we got where. And as you, as you said, we talked it out on our show. And this was, show was, I think, about two weeks ago. And, um, you know, we, we all kind of disagreed on everything. This is, it's like, there's a lot of, um, I think generally speaking, our, our rankings are where we want them to be, but there's, there's quite a bit of disagreement on who belongs in what tier. So I think this is going to be kind of fun to talk it out, see, see exactly where we, you know, agree and disagree on some of these guys. And of course these are just guidelines. It's like, if you have, if you have a guy a certain amount higher than we do, like obviously go for it and take your guy, but this is here to help you kind of gauge and plan your draft and and the tiers obviously help that a lot because if there's multiple players in your tier still left maybe you can wait on it for a round and still get a guy Mm -hmm. in that tier etc etc so yeah i think it's a really fun exercise yeah uh, tiers are so crucial i'm so glad you guys do them i always use tiers as you mentioned to help the flow of the draft if you know there's only one running back in a tier but seven receivers you can always dip your toes in that and also auction drafting too you want to make sure especially uh, we have a lot of auction listeners and ultimately, you know, you don't never want to be at the end of a tier, but you want to also be like right in the middle, find a sweet spot of guys going cheap. That might not be the guy you were targeting at the top of that tier, but man, you get that that five dollar discount, even though he's right around the same ranking. Uh, so tiers are so useful in that. But one, one thing that we know are going to go expensive and two guys right at the top. We'll start there. Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. If you have a top four pick, there's a good chance you're going to be debating one of the other guys, certainly if Taylor and Christian McCaffrey are gone. Mm-hmm. So where do you stand on this great debate of Cooper Cup versus Justin Jefferson? I don't think you can go wrong, but right. certainly you can be more right because someone's going to outscore the other. Who so, do you think has the better season? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is so tough. The expression that we've been using, I think maybe Rich Rebar was one to coin this. It's like you want to skate to where the puck is going to be. And mm-hmm. there's just this chance, it seems like Cooper Cup, after having the triple crown and having the most insanely productive season from a receiver maybe ever, like incredible, incredible season, he's just going to be due for some regression. Um, I ended up moving him down. I ended up moving Justin Jefferson ahead of him when we started getting all these Stafford reports about his elbow potentially being, you know, a little bit more problematic and, and worrisome than we thought like earlier in the offseason. Since then, I think in the last like few days, I've decided to move Cooper Cup back up. Just at the end of the day, like I think both are great options. Like maybe they're going to have similar seasons. Um, I just think Cooper Cup, you know, we've seen it happen. We've seen this offense like really get rolling. The the connection that he has with with Matthew Stafford is undeniable. I think this team. I think the Rams are still going to continue to be sort of a uh, you know, funnel passes through him and, and uh, Allen Robinson and kind of just work from there. So I think Cooper Cup has the opportunity to be the overall wide receiver one. But of course, Justin Jefferson, younger, uh, more, I would say like more versatile and dynamic probably than Cooper Cup, though Cooper Cup is a, an amazing route runner. Um, I just think Jefferson has the potential as he's going to be able to move back into the slot a little bit more and get, kind of move around the formation, get some more, you know, easy to exploit matchups like against linebackers. Cause like Cooper cup ran, I don't even know what it was like 20, 30% of his uh, routes are against linebackers, which is just crazy to think about. Um, and that's how you get production because he's just easily breaking these guys off and, and whatever. And so Justin Jefferson, as we saw his final year at LSU is great from the slot too. Um, I want to say he ran like 60 or 70% of his routes outside last year. And I think this year, maybe you could see that, get a little more even he's going to probably be inside a little bit more so that could mean more volume you could see the the vikings potentially be a little more high pass rate and and things like that but at the end of the day i've got cooper cup with a slight edge over justin jefferson our official rankings have jefferson slightly higher um because i got outvoted but i think at the end of the day like these are so close it's really you know like splitting hairs and both of them are guys that I'm going to be like picking and not even thinking second about like after picking them. If I got, if I got to pick in the top four or five, I'll just pick them and, and not really think about it. Exactly. I'm actually in agreement here too with Cooper cup at the top. I mean, 
13 of his 16 games were above 20 points. 88% (laughs) were top 12 receivers. That's just insane consistency. And I really don't see why it won't be repeatable. As you mentioned, the offense really just creates these mismatches. The, mm-hmm. uh, I love Matt Harmon, what he calls layup targets. Like yep. that's the, the definition of what cup gets. I guess the only devil's advocate, I, like I mentioned, I have Cooper cup number one too. The devil's advocate is, well, now that's the same exact role we expect Justin Jefferson to be in with Kevin O'Connell moving there. Right. Justin Jefferson himself has talked about how much more he's moved, how more modern this offense is. And if you, you had one versus the other as an actual talent, as good as Cooper cup is, Justin Jefferson might be the actual best receiver talent currently in the league right now, certainly after breaking the rookie receiving yards record, then following that up with the most yards through two seasons, you know, Jamar Chase might be right on his tail. We'll talk about him in just a second, but that's kind of a good devil's advocate. And it is like you said, splitting hairs. It's tough. And and you certainly, I don't think you can go wrong. I think these guys are just going to constantly be going back and forth in the receiving yardage total and the fantasy points total. And it's going to be real close come, come season's end. I, I'm I, exactly like you said, I want a top four pick so I can get one of these two guys. Yes. Because uh, I love them both. Exactly. Exactly. It's either going to be, you know, CMC, Taylor, Cup, or Jefferson. If I have a top four pick, I don't even have to worry about it whatsoever. Then if you get in the f- t- like fifth through 12th spot, then we were like, oh God, now I got to really make a decision here that could really <laughs> alter my whole season kind of deal. And it's like a little more stressful. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I think that is a good segue to like Chase. Like, I don't know what to do with Chase, to be honest. Exactly. And that's, that is a perfect segue because a lot of these underdog drafts, these best ball drafts, he's almost the locked in number five at this mm. point. It is a tricky decision because there's also the, the guys like Austin Eckler, maybe Dalvin Cook rebounding in this yeah. new system. There's some great workhorse running backs. If you're in half PPR, Derek Henry you know, was on pace to smash the league last year. You had the most fancy points per game, but we often see Jamar Chase going above them. I have a, a tier drop, and it's, it's really chasing a tier by himself because I do think he warrants top five consideration for sure right there at number five. Mm-hmm. But I typically go running back. So ultimately, whereas I know I'm smashing Jefferson over Eckler, over Cook, I just don't always do that with Jamar Chase, maybe in a PPR league. But even there, it's not like he's one of those just complete target hogs, yeah. like the two guys at the top. So I do have them separated by a tier with Chase by himself. It looks like you guys have Chase in that top tier. Are you in agreement with the overall composite there? I think, and if so, yeah. why? If not, why not? Um, I think when we did it when we did it on the show, I believe what we did, what we ultimately decided on is Jefferson and Cup in their own tier. And then I made the argument, and it sounds like you agree with me that Jamar Chase is kind of his own tier because I'm not. I don't see many people probably, and I wouldn't recommend taking like a CD Lamb or a, a Stephon Diggs over Jamar Chase. Like to, to me, Chase is clearly the next guy at the receiver position you want to take, there's this opportunity where he could potentially have more volume this year. If they have a little bit more up-tempo pass heavy, ha- pass happy style um, philosophy this year. Cause last year, if you remember, they were one of the slower run heavier teams for the majority of the season. 31st of, like, in pace. Like, yeah. Because they're <laughs> they trying to protect Joe Burrow's ACL, which is a really good plan by the way. Like it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but then you saw their, their pass rate and their pass like volume tick up as the year went on. I think that's where Chase is like, or sorry, where uh, Burrow is like most comfortable. He wants to spread the ball out, you know, basically have empty backfields, pick apart a defense. Like that's just like where his bread and butter is. And so I could see the, the, the Bengals offense sort of um, evolving into something that's a little bit closer to that this year. And that could be a huge boon for Jason. You you mentioned it with Justin Jefferson. Like Jefferson might just be the point blank best receiver in the NFL. Chase is the only other guy I'd probably throw in that conversation. Right. Like he might be even better. Um, and he was certainly better on their college team. So I don't know. Like there's just this potential here where Chase has not only is he the best and like most he's honestly one of the most unique receivers in the NFL. Yeah. He's like his body type and um his style, it doesn't really feel like he should be this good, but he's just so ridiculously good. It's so explosive um, that he's just kind of a unique, unique player. And so I think there's a chance that he has just explosion, explosion year where they, they have more volume and they have more tempo. And all of a sudden you're seeing him get, you know, the type of target rate that you're seeing Justin Jefferson Cooper Cup get. And that is like sky is the limit there. So to me, he's in his own tier. I don't know if you can put him in the same tier as Kevin Jefferson because of the volume concerns, but I think that there is a range of outcomes here where the volume really ticks up a lot. So that that, that would be my argument. So I agree with you completely here um, that he's just kind of his own tier. 
Absolutely. And if he does end up getting that volume, like you mentioned, he might be, if it's not Jefferson, it is probably Chase at the top. He did just break Jefferson's rookie receiving record. He's already talked about how he wants to follow up with having the most yards through two seasons. So, you know, he's gunning for Jefferson's sophomore season now as well, which is a terrifying thought. Plus, something that I think gets overlooked a little bit right now is how much better the Bengals' line is going to be. I think that'll be a big part to why they might be comfortable pushing the pace this year. But also, Burrow was number one in clean pocket completion percentage at 76% last year. It is an astronomical. They were bottom 10 last year in PFF. They have top five upside with now adding Lael Collins and Alex Kappa and, and Ted Karras. I mean, these are some anchors at positions where they were grading out very low. They already had a solid left side. Now you really bolster the center and the the, the right and le- the, the right tackle, yeah. right guard. I mean, just think about the more time Burrow has to throw. Even if you look at the Super Bowl, like Chase might have won the Super Bowl for him. He's won it running wide open That's down there. So yeah. I, yeah. I really do think there's some serious upside that could be unlocked from the line as well, with a little more time and a cleaner pocket for Burrow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's even and when I, now the more we talk about, I'm like maybe I do need to bump him into that tier because the upside is. The number one receiver <laughs> no, for sure. This I don't is think like the hard part that, about it is, but is, the volume just yeah. does feel a little bit more locked in yeah. for those other guys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll move on now. So you mentioned some of those other guys in the next tier, and you can still see on the screen we're pretty aligned with our next groups because you know I have me and you both have Chase in his own tier. Um, it's a little bit different, but ultimately uh, we're now looking at that kind of late first early through through mid-second type receivers, where it's Diggs, yeah. it's Adams, or, or C.D. Lamb. We're both kind of in lockstep here, where we have uh, Diggs at four. Hold on, I'm pulling up my make sure I have the most updated ones. Yeah, Diggs at four, C.D. Lamb five, Adams six, Debo Samuel seven. And then the only real difference we have here, we both wrap up with Evans in this tier, but I actually don't have Tyreek in here. So right, right. you, you kind of know who I'm going to be fading, but is there anybody in this group that, one, you're really targeting, and then maybe one, you're, you're not so sure of in this kind of second round range. I love CD lamb this year. I just, mm-hmm. I, for, for starters, like I've just always been a believer in his talent to me. He's like one of the most, um, he like Jamar chase. He's kind of got a unique style. He's, he's a unique player. He's kind of slender, tall, um, but he can run after the catch. You know, he can go deep. He kind of can do it all, but he, he has, he brings in like a, a little bit different body type than I think a lot of like quote unquote alpha type receivers would have. Um, but I think he's he's a good route runner. He's going to get the opportunity again to get in to play inside, get those layup looks a little bit more often this year. He did that a bunch mm-hmm. as a rookie, and he was really productive. And then they kind of moved him outside more often than not uh, in his sophomore year. Sophomore year, and so I'm really looking for them to kind of like make him the focal point of the passing game this year. And hopefully he can step up, and I think he can because I think he's that good. So um, again, this is a team that has been I think over the last three years top ten in in attempts. Uh, pass rate and tempo and things like that, like all the stuff that we look for in fantasy where they're going to be passing a lot and playing a lot of plays and scoring a lot of points. And the Cowboys have been that team over the last three years. I don't expect that to change whatsoever. Um, There's, there's other variables involved. Like the offensive line might not be quite as good, but again, the receivers in this group are so much worse than they were last year outside of CD lamb. So they just have, I I think they're going to have to rely on him to be the go-to guy. So he's a guy that I'm willing to like, honestly even take in the late first round like I'd, I'd almost rather take him than some of the um, other running backs in that area just because I know he's gonna give you these big spike weeks and he's gonna have a high floor um, and he's gonna be in this high like high volume offense that I, I, I want a piece of that offense and, it's, and especially him just because I think he's gonna be the focal point. Absolutely. Top two in passing yards in both of Kellen Moore and Dak seasons together. Top five in passing TDs in both of those. Number one in total yards in TDs last year. And now they're vacating 1,898 air yards, 205 (laughs) targets, and and a bunch of inside the 10, 16 inside the 10 looks. That's the sixth most the NFL. Like There's just a ton of open vacancy on an attack that I still think will be very explosive, maybe not quite at the level these last couple of years, but uh, maybe he just takes it all on and is just a monster and shouldering it. I do have him above, as we mentioned Devonte adams who he often goes right around uh, adams usually yeah. goes ahead of him to be honest and so that means i'm kind of fading adams in a sense if i have the choice between them i am going cd lamb i just i'm a little bit worried now that he's going from no target competition and aaron Rodgers to a little bit of a quarterback downgrade plus you got darren waller and hunter renfro who you know is going to get yep. peppered in the slot and the mcdaniel scheme so i i go cd lamb over adams am i crazy are you in agreement there i'm with you i'm with you uh um, I like, I, yeah, the Adams thing, I think, you know, he's still an awesome player. He's still one of the best players in the NFL, but like, there's really only one way to go and that's down compared to what he yeah. did last year. Like 
he was the guy in that offense. Now they have, and you know, in, in every high leverage situation, that was who Rogers wanted to go to. That's who they went to in the red zone a lot. Um, now you have, like you mentioned, this is sort of just reiterating everything you said, but like, it is important to note, like they have Waller, they've got Renfro, um, you know, and obviously I don't think that uh, Derek Carr is as good as the two-time defending MVP of the NFL. So um, it just seems like, you know, you can't, you can't draft a guy based on what happened last year. You have to kind of like project what they're going to do this year. And I think Adams is going to be really good, but I just don't see the high heights that he reached last year based on, you know, the target competition and the quarterback downgrade, um, you know, potentially the offense downgrade overall, you, you, you know, there's just a lot of variables there. McDaniel's coming in for this first season. We don't know exactly what to expect. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that I think is, I think it makes sense. And I, yeah, I've got CD lamb higher and I uh, feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, and when we get to the tail end of the second round, then as I mentioned, one guy that's out of my tier, that's typically he's in yours and he's usually around there, but a guy I just, I am nervous to have him lower than the consensus is Tyree Kill. He's obviously so explosive. I mean, very few bring just, they can win you a week on their own type of upside as Tyree Kill. And I don't know that that will necessarily go away. I'm sure he'll still have some big gains, but I do think there'll be fewer and further in between when you go from Pat Mahomes to Tua, you don't really need to, need to spell that out, even though you know, Tyreek's insistent that it's the most accurate deep ball he's ever played with. I mean, come on. I don't know what's going on there. But I think the bigger thing, too, is this is Mike McDaniels comes as the run game coordinator of the 49ers. I think they're going to be a run heavier team than a lot of people are projecting. So yeah. you're going to a smaller pie than what Andy Reid was chefing up to a quarterback downgrade for sure. And I also just really like Jalen Waddle. I think he's a great player. So uh, to me, I think that the gap between Tyreek and, and Waddle is way too far in most ranking sets. So I have Tyreek actually a tier below uh, alongside the Keenan Allens, the AJ Browns we'll discuss in a minute. Uh, but man, am I too crazy? Is Tyreek that much talented that he's going to make me eat my words here? <laughs> I don't think you're crazy. I think those are very valid concerns and I've, I've waffled on him a lot actually this over this off season. And um, I think that the reason I have him continue to have him ranked pretty high and I, and I think I have both him and Waddle ranked pretty highly is because I think the offense is going to funnel through those guys. Mm-hmm. It's going to, you're correct in the, in assuming, I think that it's going to be a, a much lower volume passing game. Um, but I think, the the way that the 49ers in general have and, and Shanahan in general has been able to create explosive plays, scheme up ways for these guys to have to get into space and run after the catch and create these big plays. This has been a consistent thing. It's not like a flash in the pan. The Shanahan offenses are good at this. And so I think they're gonna the two main beneficiaries of this, and with like for obvious reasons, is you want to get both Tyreek and Waddle mm-hmm. in space with room to run and create explosive plays, kind of like we saw Devo Samuel do last year. Mm-hmm. Devo Samuel was like he was an absolute, absolute outlier in terms of what he was able to do, like in space last year. It was insane. But we have the same type of talent. Obviously, they're different players, but like similar talent, explosiveness, and run after catch speed. Uh, with Waddle and uh, Tyreek that I think you could see something special where it's like they're scoring fantasy points way over expectation kind of based on like the volume. So that's, I guess like the, the, the counter argument that I would say, but I absolutely kind of get your, your concerns and like, it could end up being much more slow paced. Their offense could be much worse than we're expecting, which is certainly in the range of outcomes. Tua could be terrible. Um, I don't know what to do with Tua, honestly. Like Tua, I could see, I could make it. I could make an argument to you that Tua is going to be like one of the surprise quarterbacks in the NFL this year, just because we've seen the Shanahan style offenses. Like all the quarterbacks are like eight yards a, a prayer attempt, like no matter how much they suck, kind of deal. Um, but I think it's also like a really good fit for him in terms of style and, and like the RPO game and work in the middle of the field and you know, hitting a few deep shots and things like that, like that, like fits his style. So I could see him break out, but of course we, everything else we've seen from two in his career so far has been pretty uh, not promising. So, you know, there's a wide range of outcomes here. I'm, I'm betting on like the bull case for this offense because I think the scheme fits the talent and, and at quarterback and receiver. Um, so that's kind of my, that would be like my argument for them. But again, I totally understand sort of like the concerns about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Tua, if he does one thing well, he really does hit his receivers in stride quite right, well right. and let them just kind of keep going without any wasted motions. So it could be a perfect fit. And if Mike McDaniel, I mean, all the, the common traits to everyone he's acquired, whether it's Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, the Tyree Kill and all these receivers, it's speed, speed, speed. So maybe yeah. like his stamp on this Shanahan scheme is just 
pushing the pace. And if that's the case, I will definitely be wrong about Tyreek Tua and everybody. Uh, so I certainly, in, in these best ball drafts, I've had a couple builds where I do go all in on the Dolphins. I know it seems like I'm hedging here, uh, but it, it's the truth. I, I am just nervous the running backs will be a little bit more involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it could be. A really, it's As a Pats fan, I'm very nervous for what that offense could be <laughs> yeah. uh, in our division. Yeah. We already know the Bills are going to smoke us. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to now be that as well. Uh, we'll now move on to that kind of round three range. I'm going to pull up now the next tiers as you can see on screen here so this is where we get a little bit different in our tier breaks uh where you have a much bigger and maybe this is one of the changes that will be coming who knows but you have you know 10 through 20 all in tier three whereas i kind of split that up to what i see like more round three guys and then round four to five guys Mm -hmm. uh in there so we'll chat through a few of those talking points for years as you guys can see on the screen tier three t higgins keenan allen aj brown at 12 williams 13 Pittman 14 Terry McLaurin, 15, DJ Moore, 16, Cortland Sutton, 17, Brown, 18, Marquise Brown, that is, 19, DK Metcalf, and then Allen Robinson at 20. So I have a lot of the similar names, and I do feel like there is kind of a a top of that tier where it's Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown. Sutton's kind of worked his way up there, for me at least. I'm really excited to see what he does. But the Broncos, Pittman and Higgins are also kind of those those round three common guys. Um, And then there's a few names that aren't in that tier at all. In fact, there are a couple tiers later for me uh, that I'll I'll bring up in a second. Yeah, I'm excited. Why don't we focus at the top, the, the, the cream of the crop of this tier at least. Is there one or two of those guys that you're really trying to hammer? Yeah, so I think so. First off, I think now in the future update we'll have it's this basically this tier is split into two. There's like the okay. first tier is reliable good. The second tier would be like chaotic good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like there's a lot of like question marks about, for instance, DK Metcalf. We know that he's a talented player, but like this offense, who knows what the hell they're going to do? So, but I would say like in general, um, the guys in this tier that I'm really excited about going after. First one that comes to mind is Mike Williams, just because I think. His ceiling, we saw it last year, especially early on in the season where he all of a sudden became like the one of the best receivers in the NFL. He was, I believe, the wide receiver one and half PPR through five weeks. Um, absolutely just scorching hot streak like at the beginning there. And then he hurt his knee in week five and things were never really the same. And that, you know, obviously this has been kind of like a recurring theme for his career. Yeah. Um, and the big joke is like he doesn't know how to fall down without hurting himself, but <laughs> this is like the same argument you make with like all the running backs. It's like, do you, do you want to have a safe guy or do you want to chase upside and chase talent and chase situation? Um, And I think with Mike Williams, he like checks a lot of boxes in terms of, I think he's talented. I think he's a big play creator. He can get down the field. He can go up and get it in the air. Um, He's got the size and all that he has the, and then of course he's catching passes from Justin Herbert and they're in an offense. That's really high volume, scores a lot of points. So he checks a lot of the boxes for me, and I think there's this chance that the torch is sort of passed from uh, from Keenan Allen to Mike Williams this year in terms of the de facto number one in this offense. And this is another offense that you just like want a piece of because they're going to pass a lot and they're going to score a lot of points. Um, so long story short, to me, there's a world in which Mike Williams is like a top three receiver and you can get him in the second round or whatever. And, and like he could be, I don't know if he'll league winner, but he's definitely going to be a guy that like can win you a lot of weeks just because he has the explosion potential. If he can stay healthy um, and some of these things, like some of these, you know, some of these dominoes line up correctly for him, like he could really go off. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely targeting in this area. Um, and then, you know, Pittman to me is like s- similar story. Like he's kind of flies under the radar, a little bit of a, like a boring guy. Like people don't really know anything about this guy, I think, but um, big size. He's, he's the clear cut number one. I think this offense is going to have a massive, massive upgrade at quarterback. Like this is something that people are probably still underestimating is like going from Wentz to Matt Ryan is mm-hmm. monumental potentially for this offense. Even though I don't think, I don't think Matt Ryan's like a leader or anything, but like just having a consistent, accurate passer who can distribute the football to the playmakers like that's going to be huge. That was not Wentz's game. He was just so chaotic every single game. Um, so I like Pittman a lot. I think, you know, he's probably appropriately priced. He could end up being a, a wide receiver, like a low end wide receiver. One, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but to me, he's like the safe floor guy. And Williams is the high ceiling, scary, chaotic guy. I love it. I love that call on Pittman. I, I mean, I love the call on both just to emphasize the steadiness Matt Ryan could bring. Yes, it was Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley, who might both be better players than Michael Pittman. Right. But 
His last, you know, since 2014, Matt Ryan's wide receiver one, wide receiver six, 163 targets, wide receiver two, 203 targets, wide receiver six, 129, wide receiver (laughs) seven, 148, wide receiver three, 170 targets, wide receiver three, 156, wide receiver five, 143, 2021, kind of scratch that off because Ridley, obviously, we know what happened there. But man, that is a nice track record. And I don't know the gap between Ridley and and Pittman is all that big. All the reports are he's carving up you know, this week the Lions secondary. I guess anybody can carve those guys up, so I guess I shouldn't go too much talk <laughs> on that. But ultimately, it is still every week the guy's ready to make the jump. Yeah. He's the clear alpha. He's the number one here. I do like Alec Pierce. I do think they have some intriguing talents. I also just love the fact that they're going at a crazy fast pace. The last time Reich had a pretty solid quarterback, you know, wave rivers. It was pretty solid, but then you go back to, you know, Andrew Luck, which is what Reich's kind of compared this to say, it's so nice to have a QB at that level. They were number one in pace, like number two in passing yards. They really pushed the pace. Yes. They've been slower these last few years, but I do think it's a big piece of just not trusting his quarterback. They had to be. Yeah. Yeah, they, They saw this, I think for real is they had to be, they can't, they can't trust him to lead the game. They can't trust it to put the game on his shoulders. They basically had to like mitigate exactly. Carson Wentz out of the game. They spent a first rounder on him and then they like traded him away immediately. Like if that doesn't tell you exactly how they feel about him, they didn't have a freaking backup plan at the time. Like the Matt Ryan thing came together because uh, Deshaun Watson was potentially going to get traded to the Falcons and Matt Ryan was like, all right, well get rid of me. Cause I'm not playing for you guys again. Like that was sort of just luck of the draw for the Colts. They, they traded away Carson Wentz with no backup plan. Like exactly. if that that's like the most obvious this is to me it's like wow this could be a massive massive upgrade for them um just because i'm i'm very much like low confidence in, in carson wentz 100 percent and deservedly so uh, for that low confidence and i'm with you too i definitely want a piece of that chargers passing pie i think herbert leads the league in passing this year yeah. it's his first like i was reading this his first real like actual nfl offseason where he's not dealing with like COVID related things and what it, it just sounds or changing like OCs. Like, didn't he, have, he had like a different OC every year in college every single year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. First year of some consistency. And it was damn good last year mm-hmm. without the consistency. So I think this offense, they're already talking about how much more efficient they are. And they, they were crushing it last year. So I think this aerial pie is going to be huge. Whether you go the yep. Williams route, I think the upside certainly is higher with them in terms of the top three ceiling. Or you go for the safety of Keenan Allen. I mean, 100-plus receptions in four of his last five, 78 of 81 games. So that injury concern everyone was saying doesn't seem to be the thing. He's top 12 in five straight seasons in fantasy. He's kind of the guy I gravitate to. Maybe I'm boring, but ultimately, I I just I still love Keenan, too, yeah. Yeah. Any, either one of them, though, and certainly, you know, if one's going to be an alpha, we saw it with Williams those first five weeks, as you pointed out. They talked about using him as like the Mike Thomas X all last offseason, and it came to fruition for the start of the season. That happens for the full year. He could just go crazy, and Allen could still have a solid season, but Williams would obviously be the one that changes your league. Uh, so, yeah, th- yeah, those are two guys I love targeting. And I, in general, I actually just love this range of receivers. I also really mm-hmm. like Horton Sutton. I find myself, I know we were just kind of spent some good, good time on the round two guys. But I like the running backs a whole lot more there, and I feel like those drop off very dramatically. Maybe James Conner, I don't mind in round three. Right. Uh, but you know, Etienne also has a nice case as well. But still, you know, from Kamara to those guys, I think it's a pretty steep drop off. So I really like the running backs in round two. I don't think the drop off from receivers really that far from here. I think a lot of these guys we're talking about have very strong top ten cases. Uh, one of them also yep. being Cortland Sutton. We keep talking about you know quarterback upgrades, pace upgrades for you know with Pittman. If another guy could be this year's Cooper Cup, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Sutton. All the latest reports are he's been the go-to for Russell Wilson. They're talking about yep. Hackett. I mean, and I hate to, I don't want to rub in your, your Seahawks stuff yeah, to you, thanks. but they do talk a lot about <laughs> how <laughs> Hackett is structuring this offense around those first five games of 2020. And, and I'm sure you remember those as a Seahawks fan. Oh, yeah. Russ, that, that was the one time we quoted let him cook. Cook, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's what Hackett said. He zoomed on on that film, and that's how he's making. He said, phew, we're going to let this ball fly here. Uh, and he wants Russell Wilson to dictate the pace. Over that span, Russell Wilson was on pace for 65 touchdowns. I mean, it yeah. was insane, over 5,000 yards. And so it might not be quite the same. He doesn't. I, I don't think Lockett – I think DK and Lockett are certainly better than yeah. Judy and Sutton, but I don't think it's a significant downgrade, especially if Sutton's the guy getting locked in on kind of a couple years now removed from that ACL injury. Yep. I could see him just absolutely blowing up in this range. So I really like these receivers. I also love Kyle Pitts. I know this isn't a tight end show, so it is oh, tricky yeah. to you know Kyle figure Pitts. out who you go. Oh, Option-wise, this is kind of 
kind of the round where I find myself like you can get some of these guys for 20, 25 bucks. I just love plucking talent in this range because I don't yeah. think there's a big drop off from the late round two to here, certainly at the receiver position, at least. Sutton's a tough one because uh, he to me, he's like a very clear cut um, potential top 12 receiver, maybe top six receiver or whatever in the NFL, just because we, he's going to have one of, if not the best quarterback upgrade of any team in the NFL mm-hmm. going from whatever it was last year with Teddy and, and Drew Locke to now Russell Wilson. Um, I think I worry a little bit about like expect expecting too much from Wilson because like, obviously the, when they let Russ cook or whatever, this was like sort of the precursor to um, the NFL's move to like a too high shell where they're starting mm-hmm. to really confuse even guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh mm-hmm. Allen, you know, they're like the, in 2020, I'm trying to remember the years. I think in 2020, when Russ went absolutely bananas, um, that was like offset midway through the year. Teams started to catch up with what the Seahawks were doing. And then they started to like shut things down. He started turning the ball over at a really high rate. And then that point, uh, Pete Carroll was like, all right, yeah, we tried. We're turning that off. We're going back to my ball. We're doing it my way again. And this has been Pete Carroll's MO since he got back into the NFL. Is like he's like, this is how I'm going to do it because I got fired after you know coaching the Patriots, blah blah blah. And then I went and back to college and I formulated my philosophy and decided I'm just going to do everything my way and like f what anyone says, literally. And he <laughs> traded away Russell Wilson, so he clearly lives this like yeah. this, he lives this philosophy. Um, but so I worry a little bit that looking back at that is is. Um, I guess ignoring the fact that teams adjusted to the That's way that the Seahawks were, were playing and when they let Russ cook, quote unquote, let Russ cook. Um, but that being said, like, I think Russell Wilson with more volume is like, got, it's got to be objectively good. Like, I, yeah. I just like, he's too good to like make it be bad. Like, especially in fantasy, if you're worried about winning games, like you could argue till the cows come home that maybe teams should be more balanced. But in terms of fantasy, Russell Wilson can put up volume. He can put up touchdowns. He can create big plays and he's going to funnel the passes now, especially with Tim Patrick out. I think he's going to funnel his passes to these two guys, Sutton and Judy. And so um, Sutton to me is more of the archetype of DK Metcalf where you throw it up to him downfield, expect them to win, you know, own the red line on the sideline, basically own that little, that little like two or three yard area towards the sideline. And just Wilson can absolutely drop it in a bucket down there. And he, we've seen that a million times with both him and Lockett, both DK and Lockett, where he just puts it. He'll he, like. There's times during the Seahawks, uh, like last ten years or whatever, where Russell Wilson drops back, and as soon as he starts to load up to throw it, I'm like, oh, that's a touchdown. Like you <laughs> automatically just know it's going to be a touchdown. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see if he, we get some of that again, where he's just throwing it up and, and trusting his receivers to win. And I think these guys have the talent to do that. Um, and there's like no one in the NFL who's more accurate downfield than Russell Wilson. Like he is pinpoint, pinpoint accurate. So I don't know for sure if they're going to be able to like do all the stuff they want to do with Russell Wilson, where it's like working the intermediate and short areas. He's just, that's not really been his game, the middle of the field. I think the jury's out on whether he can really be like super efficient in a high volume offense, but in fantasy, like it doesn't really matter because I think he's going to put up points and he's going to put up yards, even if he has more turnovers than maybe people are expecting. Um, I think it's going to be a boon for fantasy. So long story short, I like Sutton. It is a little concerning that he just wasn't very good last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I think that the ACL thing is so important to remember. Like that is such a huge variable. And the year after the year after an ACL injury is usually where you see guys, especially young players. And he's still like 26 years old, especially young players come back and like really get back to their previous form. And his previous form in 2019 was over a thousand yards. So, right. And that was with bad quarterbacks, I think. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Long, long story short, I know that I kind of long winded on that one, but I, I do like Sutton. I think he's got immense potential. It's just a little scary hitting that button because it's been a while since we've seen him do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I fully get it. He did have, I saw a stat where like of all receivers who target at least 50 times, he was second in air yards per target at 15.4 yards. And I guess ooh, Russell ooh. Wilson saw some stat and said to, to Sutton himself, keep winning those long routes and see what happens. Like that was the quote. Exactly. That's, yeah. So, you know, as exactly. you mentioned, it could be dropped on. Plus you get the joy of like, there's nothing better on a Sunday red zone 
Then when it cuts to now the Broncos, it will be, and you see Russell uncork it, and you're just like, please be my guy on the other yeah. side. Because yeah. you know it's going to be, as you said, a long yeah. bomb touchdown. When you see it's your guy, it's just like, yes, thank God. Here's like quick, like 17 points to my fantasy team. Love yeah. every second of it. So uh, that's part of the joys of also drafting Cortland Sutton that yeah. I want to emphasize. Uh, but I know now you mentioned, too, you're going to be splitting up this tier. Although I, I will say a couple guys that aren't even in the next tier of mm-hmm. like what you described as chaotic good. And, and that makes sense because these guys are chaotic good. You mentioned Metcalf. Like all these guys I'm going to mention would be part of the chaotic good. So maybe it is a similar idea, similar tier to what we're picturing. But Marquise Brown, Metcalf, Moore, and McLaurin, I just have them a, a solid bit away from some of these guys. Uh, so is there any one or two of those? Or if it's all four of them, please let me know as well. But are there any of those you think I should be reconsidering that you're definitely high on and you'd like to make a strong case for? I think probably uh, I'm probably way higher on Brown, right, than you are. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'll be the guy I'll single out. And, and I think um, there's a couple of – this is another guy that's pretty high variance, and I recognize that. You know, I think he's uh, he's a – this is why he's in the chaotic good area. Like there's, there's just a chaos, a bit of chaos to his game. Like he's had drops during his career. He's had yeah. opportunities to really come down with like these massive plays and just bounces off his fingers. Like it's really frustrating sometimes to have him, but I think going from an offense that like really wasn't accentuating his skill set enough. I don't think in, um, in Baltimore, especially like, cause he could, to me, he's like, he can get a step on a corner. And yeah. if, if his quarterback trusts him and it can hit him in stride, like Lamar was um, erratic, I think, as a deep passer in, during the last couple of seasons. And so, um, you know, you got Kyler, who is like Russell Wilson, like one of the most pinpoint accurate downfield passers in the NFL. Like his completion rate, his accuracy rate downfield is outstanding. He is, a, by definition, a chaotic quarterback because he's more willing to, like, break the pocket. Like, there's he doesn't, like, study the playboy. He doesn't study defenses. <laughs> he's too busy playing video games or whatever. Like, there's just so many, like, there's so such a wide range of outcomes here. But I think he's getting paired. Marquise Brown is getting paired back up with his college quarterback, mm-hmm. who is one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL. He's going to an offense where he's going to be the number one guy at least for the first six weeks. And then even when Hopkins gets back, you know, we saw like last year, Hopkins, they didn't really utilize him in a very creative way. They're just like lining him up on the left and saying, go run downfield. Um, I think Marquise Brown is going to have a more varied route distribution. He's going to play in the slot a little bit, do a little bit of what Christian Kirk was doing last year with like slot fades. Um, I don't know. I just think there's an opportunity here for Marquise Brown to get a lot of volume and finally have a guy. And I'm not, I don't even think like Lamar is bad at, at like deep shots, but like this is a perfect, this is a match made in heaven because it, again, it's like instant chemistry from playing together in college. They put up huge numbers in college and then just like the, the scheme fit for, for what he wants to do and, you know, like go deep, um, you know, win with the first couple of steps of his route where he can just get, get off the line and get past the guy. Like, I think that gives him an opportunity to really shine. So I think he's going to have a strong target rate and hopefully he'll just be a little more consistent than he has been in Baltimore. I recognize I'm, I'm probably quite a bit ahead on of ADP on him, but um, I don't know. I just kind of like, I think the situation finally kind of like right for him to like blow up. It could be a perfect aligning of the stars and some stats to back that up. Murray was third in deep passer rating, third in yards per deep, deep attempt at 15.8, finished first in deep percentage, uh, completion percentage and yeah. passing grade by PFF. So, I mean, this is definitely a huge upgrade, especially after Brown was, He ranked 67th in target accuracy, 59th in catchable target rate, and 65th in quarterback rating for target. I mean, I'm like, I'm a Lamar like defender, but like, come on, this this is like a night and day like different types of quarterbacks. So, where do you do? You just have these stats on demand. You just have like a list of amazing stats like back up all my points because I appreciate this. (laughs) I I have my uh, draft guide pulled up, and I'm like, all right, who who do I have written about? So yeah, you know, I kind of have a stat for everything. It seems at this point, but no, there's certainly I love the bull case for him i guess the only reason i haven't been landing a ton of them is mm-hmm. he goes in the same range as a couple of guys i love i love alan robinson for example yeah, going to the rams yeah. um i think you talk about a quarterback upgrade if guys best quarterbacks been blake bortles and he had a top six season seriously he had blake bortles yeah. so you know i love alan robinson i can't really pass him up for marquise brown so i guess it's more of an That's opportunity fair. cost but as I, I had that stat ready because i also see the case i think it could be great there are the things too, like is Kyler going to collapse midseason, and is he going to stay oh. healthy, which he hasn't been able to yeah. do? Cliff Kingsbury collapses yeah. every year, it seems. What happens when Hopkins does come back? I, 
I do think the upside is very, very real, though, with Marquise Brown, especially if all of those boxes end up getting checked. He could be – I mean, he was the wide receiver six, I think, in fantasy points per game to start the year last year. There was definitely some some real upside to him yeah. uh, for sure. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I can't wait to see when you guys do upgrade those t- – or update the uh, tiers, not upgrade, but update and see where they break. Yeah, we, we're going to – I'm sure we'll have to powwow because these things kind of move as, as you get more information and things like that. We'll powwow and get them all together. But I think they're probably going to be ending up a little bit closer to where you've got things, I think. Just like the the milk is rising – or like the cream is rising to the top a little bit with some of these guys, and, and I think we need to like hone in on some of these. But, yeah, um, it, it is always such a process, and it changes like weekly, so <laughs> – I gotta ask in a wide receiver show, and this is another guy I, I can't pass up for Marquise Brown is Gabriel Davis, and it's such a yeah. the most polarizing player I saw again. He's trending trending on fantasy Twitter today, like it's you can't wait every week, yeah, it's every single time I uh, have. But I'd love to know where your stance is on because I'll, I'll just start off and say I am all in. I have him a couple yeah. tiers above where you guys have him right now. Um, I think you have him at 26, 27 overall. I have him at 16, so a nice 10 spot inside my my top 20. I just love the upside, uh, you know, as polarizing as he is. Last time we saw him, 204 and four TDs, yes, one game. You, you got to judge on more than that. But once he took over for Sanders, and I don't have the answer for why it took him so long, other than you know, Sanders was doing solid. He's a trusted veteran, like – you know, it, it was one of those things. Sanders never really gave them a reason to take him off, right. even if Gabe was better. And once Gabe was in, he was better. So, you know, 1.93 yards per route run, 22% target rate when he was in, 80 PFF grade, like some really nice predictive stats that this guy was already kind of taking the leap. And now it's just clear to me he's going to be the number two. Every report, 90% plus snaps, like maybe even more snaps than Diggs because he's the better run blocker is what I was reading. Mm. All the like the latest camp reports in 11 on 11, he was unguardable, put on a show like three touchdowns from Josh <laughs> Allen to start it. So Love I just it. think this is a guy that's ready to take that next leap. Plus, he, any time a player adds goes from 210 to 227 of all muscle and he doesn't lose his speed, which it sounds like he didn't. I mean, the guy just sounds like he's an absolute beast yeah. right now. So I, I've gone on, I've kind of gone on the loony bin with Gabe Davis, but I'm going all in. And I know there's certain reasons not to, but I'm I'm all the way in on him. I'm too deep at this point. But what yeah. are your thoughts on Gabe Davis? I'm with you. I'm with you. I think nice. <laughs> just based in, on this offense, the volume in which they throw, this the tempo which they play, the points that they're going to score, the quarterback they have under center, like a perfect fit for a guy like Gabe Dave, who's just going to go win down the sidelines. It's, it's almost the exact same conversation we were having about like Sutton and yeah. uh, and like a DK Metcalf style player where like they, you can just trust him to win downfield. You can throw it up to him. And he's shown that he's done that. He did that as a rookie too, like playing like a part-time role. He had, I don't know off the top of my head, like six or seven touchdowns, um, even though he was only playing like 30% of the snaps. And so um, I think, like you said, the development has been gradual and steady, and now it feels like he's really ready to come come into his own. I mean, this is a common thing for a fourth-round pick. Like, yeah. you know, you uh, it's funny because, like, if an early-round guy, like a first or second-rounder doesn't do anything his rookie year, we basically write him off. Um, but if you look at sort of the history of it, like later-round guys tend to, like, take a little bit longer to climb the, climb the depth chart climb the ladder teams aren't as like feel much pre- don't feel as much pressure to play them early on in their career. Um, and like the way that the bills are, are built, um, you know, not to like give excuses for why he wasn't playing last year, but like they were ready to win like a super bowl. Like yeah. they didn't need to like play their young guys, you know? So um, it sounded like he kind of like developed as the year went on, got better, started being more consistent. And and then as the year went on, they're like, okay, he's ready to go. And he, he like, uh, he emerged as, a big time player. We saw it in the playoffs. He had four touchdowns and 200 yards receiving in the freaking playoffs. Yeah. So um, obviously he's not going to do that in every game, but um, I think honestly just playing 90 plus whatever it is, 85, 90% of the snaps, like he's just by osmosis. Can I be like a wide yeah. receiver too? Like <laughs> this is like, unless they absolutely ignore him for whatever reason. And, and Josh Allen just feeds Steph Diggs, which I guess it's in the range of outcomes, but I think less probable um, he's going to be a wide receiver too. You can get him in like, um, the wide receiver 30 range, 32. I think it, last time I checked, he was like wide receiver 30 um, from Fantasy Pros. And so uh, he's already a value. He's already a value. And then if he's like better than we thought in an offense that is already we know is going to be really good, like then he could be really a huge, huge like value for your team, be like a wide receiver two for you, um, like a high-end wide receiver two. And so I love it. I think it like he's got a solid floor and an even higher ceiling. 
Absolutely. And we'll wrap up our conversation. He's in your kind of tier four. Let me pull up the next kind of group here on this. This is like the round five to six or so, maybe even seven in this range of uh, receivers here where you have tier four. It goes from you know 20 through 35, kind of big tier, 15 guys here. I have it broken up a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, which again might be the case with you guys, as you mentioned. Yeah, it will. It will. Uh, updated a bit, yeah. Uh, so as you see, some of the guys we already talked about, you dip, big differences for me, Marquise Brown, DJ Moore, more in this range for me, whereas you know, Gabe Davis, uh, some of the names that you highlight, know, Deontay Johnson, another one out there for you. But this is kind of the, you know, that round five, six range. Uh, is there anybody in that range that you are definitely going at? It's kind of the same conversation once we keep moving through this, but is there any round five, six receivers you find yourself kind of targeting more often than others? I, I think part of the reason we had such a big tier here is like, we like all these guys. Like, yeah. they're, they're, you know what I mean? It's like, I could, you could make an argument for really any of these guys as being um, someone we're targeting. Like the guy that I keep looking at when I'm just looking at this list is Amon Ross St. Brown. I love it. Um, who, I mean, not to like oversell. I don't want to oversell him because, like, I think that you know it's still the Lions. They're still not going to have like an elite quarterback under center, blah blah blah. But he's playing essentially what is like a Cooper Cup style role, where mm-hmm. um, he's getting layup targets over the middle of the field. He's shown an ability to really get open at like will, and he has the run after the catch ability. He's a tough son of a bitch. He can catch the ball in traffic, like everything you want from like a high volume receiver. Um, so I, I think, and, and honestly, maybe I'm going to end up regretting this, but like I'm kind of bullish on the Lions offense this year, like not being like explosive and awesome. And, and I don't think Jared Goff's going to be like the second coming or whatever, but I think they have a really good offensive line. I think they've got a, a good run game and now their receivers are really good. I think Chark is super underrated. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a good role player for them. I don't think he's necessarily like super high volume guy, but like he'll stretch the field, open things up in the middle. Um, and then, you know, once Jamison Williams gets back, which I don't know if that will even really be a big factor this year, but like maybe down the stretch, he'll change things up too. But I think Amon Ra is just going to be sort of a underneath security blanket for Goff. And, you know, again, just kind of hoover up some of the targets over the middle of the field and, and just do a lot with it. So he's a guy that I, I want to have on teams. I, I, I'm a believer in his talent. I'm a believer in the way that they're using him. And um, I think this is probably like the cheapest you're ever going to be able to get him now. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. I think he's going to be going in round two as of next year. <laughs> yeah. 23 points in five of his last six games playing with Tim. random Boyle. dudes. Don't do that. Like he's good. Yeah, no, exactly. It's actually Scott Barrett had an awesome tweet about like the, the list of people who have done that. Yeah. So averaged at least 17 and a half fantasy points per game over their last six weeks of their rookie season. And certainly 25 plus, which is what he was averaging actually the most of anybody in the fantasy playoffs, even more than Cooper cup, which is insane. But the oh, rookies, yeah who have done that number one on the list of fantasy points per game was 32 is odell beckham number two is randy moss number three is amon ross st brown Jeez. four aj brown five <laughs> michael thomas like waddle chase jefferson all also on this list, Good list. And he's ahead of those guys i mean it's just elite company i'm not saying st brown is better than chase or jefferson right. but you just look at the list of people who did that you have to be special to pull this off and certainly yep. if tim fucking boils your quarterback like it's totally. just yeah. i don't get how people don't buy this talent and they're all saying it's a product of everyone being hurt and and yeah 33 target share is that going to happen this year no it's not yeah dj charge you mentioned but those guys i think honestly having a chark and a jameson is that really going to be a bad thing when they're creating no. space for him to do what he does best like i yeah i got totally him the synergy like it's the same it's what golf used to do with cup it's, it's just layup like that's the, the type of receiver the type of quarterback so he is the guy that absolutely stands up i have him i, I every time i talk about him i want to move him up i think i have him at 19 already uh 20 right here in the rankings but i look at like waddle and johnson and i i i like that i can get him a lot later i can get him a whole round later than those guys i mean I, i've been just hammering him in round my, five my personal ranks i have him at wide receiver 20 Oh, I love it. Yeah. So we're, we're perfectly aligned. Yeah, both yeah. at 20 uh, right there. So yeah, perfect. What round five, six guy, make sure you're hammering. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I know we're up against it. I know at the top of the hour, you got to get out of here, but I did want to just highlight like the, the couple names and this might be part of the update. Cause we've gotten some updates on Godwin's health and things of that yeah. nature. There are a few guys outside of the ringers top 35 that, might if you I don't know who you've reconsidered or not here. Uh, a few of those names like Ayuk was right on the fringe. Chris Godwin was thirty seven. Juju was thirty eight. Are any of those guys cracking your top thirty five now? And if so, is there any like one of those guys that you're really highlighting? Um, 
Godwin is going to go up. I think yeah. we are still being pretty conservative with the injury situation, not really knowing exactly how quickly he was going to be returning. I think there's a pot, lot of positive signs that it'll be like early in the season. So maybe he misses one or two games and then gets right back in there. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that I've definitely moved up in the last week and we update this weekly. Um, so he would be probably the first one I circle. I still like Ayuk. I love, but I just kind of worry about the volume in yeah. that, in that passing game. Like if he's, if he's all of a sudden the number one in this, in this offense, then you have to make the assumption that like either Debo or Kittle are going to fall down quite a bit more than you, than you really expect. And so I don't know. I'm a little bit like leery about that one, but yeah, I'd say Godwin is the main guy in this, in this group here. That's going to be way higher. I think in the update that we do next week. Awesome. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, the wide receiver <laughs> six last year. So yeah, he, yeah. he totally fits Brady's style. Assuming Brady comes back, who knows what's going God, on here? I know. Seriously. Mass singer or not, who knows? Have you seen that whole Reddit thread? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't, <laughs> but yeah, who knows what's going on there? Yeah. Godwin though. Absolutely. He's one of the few guys that, yeah. I, I mean, they're coming off the ACL, I'd love to buy back into. Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you got to get running at the top of the hour. Why don't you give our sure. listeners one more reminder of where they can find your work and anything else you'd like to promote? Uh, you can find our rankings at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And as I mentioned, we're going to be updating it here over the weekend. It'll probably be live by Tuesday at the latest. Um, and then follow us at the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We do three episodes a week during the offseason, four during the season. Um, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, it was a blast talking receivers with you today. Best of luck in your 2022 leagues. And uh, thanks again. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Cheers. See you, Daddy. See ya. All righty, Wolfpack. Well, thanks again for an awesome show here. Uh, we'll now hit all those questions that you guys have coming in the mailbag. But thanks again to Danny Kelly for an awesome stream. He's the absolute man. Um, great receiver takes. Go again, check out those receiver rankings at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Um, one of the best draft kits out there. So if you guys have some questions, get them on. It doesn't look like we have too many out here. <laughs> Somebody shout out. I wish Danny was still here. That's what Danny looks like. What a cutie. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's the only question we got. So if anybody else has any uh, questions here, let me know. I'll start doing the uh, kind of shameless self-promotion in a sec. But no, here they come. Chris Thomason. How do you feel about ETN now that Robinson's back? I actually like that Robinson's back because I think it's going to cause his ADP ETN to dip. I have not been drafting ETN at his price. He's going kind of around the law of those receivers. If you were here earlier, Chris Thomason, that, you know, whether it's Pittman, whether it's Sutton, um, some of those round three guys that we both really like to blow up and, and take off. Um, that's where he's going right now. And I'd rather go with those receivers at that range. I typically have running back, running back, and then start hammering these receivers. Um, so if he starts to fall to round four now, I'll feel a lot better about taking him. And that's where we're starting to see the, the ADP dip. I think Robinson's obviously a little bit of a concern. He could get the goal line work, short yards, maybe even more carries than Etienne. But the track record of guys coming back from Achilles is non-existent at the running back position. I'm worried about Akers because of it. And I'm certainly worried about Robinson, who did it a lot later than him. The guy is an absolute monster in terms of like a worker and the way he's kind of risen up through the, the offseason. You know he's got that kind of fighting him the, the stupid expression but he's got the dog like that is James Robinson so if anybody's going to come back and be all right it could be him we know that Doug Peterson loves his committees Etienne this doesn't change my thoughts on Etienne though because I always kind of thought there'd be another guy there another person taking the power back role whether it was Robinson or not so now it's just a matter of how far does Etienne's price dip because I wasn't really drafting him at all if he falls enough to like round four maybe even round five where he started the offseason then I'll go right back into it because a great pass catching profile. The he scores points the ways you want, explosive plays and and passing. So I, I don't. I, it doesn't change my thought of him whatsoever. Other than I think the price is going to change, and now I might be back onto him when I have not been drafting him. Jason, great question. Michael Pittman or T Higgins? I definitely go Pittman here, and it's to me it's just a matter of the number one versus the number two on a team, and. Yes, uh, number twos, we've seen multiple teams have two top 12 receivers. J.J. Zacharyson did a great study on it. It is easy for to, to picture a role where T. Higgins f finishes in the top 12, maybe even the top 10. As a player, one of the best receivers in the league. It's just a matter of he has maybe the best receiver in the league ahead of him. And it did seem like towards the tail end, I wish I had exact target rates right in front of me, but by the playoffs especially, it did seem like Jamar Chase was kind of climbing as like the clear alpha. I'm the one. 
here the two rather than a 1A, 1B situation. I, I do think there's plenty of, as we talked about with, with Danny, if they pick up the pace, maybe there's more volume for both of these guys to finish the top 10. If they, you know, the line is protecting them and they're getting more and more deep shots, which they already were insane at. There's definitely a great case for Higgins and certainly as a player, I do really like him, but he was a, a bit more inconsistent than a, a lot of people want to recognize. Fewer top 12 or top 24 weeks than Brandon Cooks, who goes like two rounds later, is a clear alpha, clear number one. You know, I'm not saying I'd rather have you know, Cooks than Higgins, but the inconsistency was pretty tricky with Higgins last year, whereas Pittman, I think, is just going to be the steady, clear alpha all year, a guy that's going to probably see nine to 10 targets almost every single week. It's how Ryan does it with his quarter, uh, with his wide receiver ones. Yeah, Julio, Ridley, they demand targets, but I think Pittman is right close to at least Ridley's level, who was the wide receiver five when his one season with Matt Ryan for a full season. I think that's within Pittman's range of outcomes. All the reports are he is just carving up defenses, whether it's his own defense, whether it's the Lions this week. Pittman's an alpha, and he's got a a receiver who loves – I mean a quarterback who loves to pepper alphas. So I'm going Pittman there by a decent margin um, while acknowledging how much I love T. Higgins. It's definitely Pittman for me, Jason. Rate my team for Chris Thomason. Hertz, Eckler, Fournette, Debo, Amon Ra, Waller, Etienne. That is a phenomenal team. Chris, I don't know how many teams that is, uh, but that is stacked. I mean, Eckler, Fournette, two top 12 running backs. Debo, I'm a little lower on Debo actually this year, but still, you know, you, you could got him and Fournette, whether, whichever one fell around three, great value there. Uh, I love Amon, as we talked about. Waller, I'm a little bit skeptical of. Etienne, also, as I mentioned, a little skeptical of. But when you got that much security at the top, and again, you have Amon Ra, one of my favorite players, like it's a good squad. I'd like to see what the other teams are in there to like, if it's a 10 teamer, there's probably a 12 team. I mean, even better. Uh, as you say, I love Hertz too. I think Hertz, you know, my quarterback three in my ranking. So you got to got a lot of guys I really do love, Chris. Um, so yeah. Um, and by the way, anybody watching on Twitter, I know a lot of your, your viewers do come from Twitter. I can't see questions if you're asking them. I apologize. It doesn't pop up on the StreamYard platform we use anymore. So if you're on Twitter and you're asking questions, I apologize in advance. Come on over to YouTube and I'll, I'll be sure to answer your question. 12-team PPR. Yeah, you're still telling us the uh, scoring settings there. Jason, are you concerned about Godwin coming back from ACL? Yes and no. Um, you know, I I think they're going to take it along very slowly. He's their franchise player. They've, they've been taking it slow with him. So the fact that he's already practicing in seven-on-sevens, work his way back like they're not going to rush it so when he's ready he'll be out there they, they signed julio so they don't have to rush it so whenever he's back even if that means he misses a first couple of weeks i expect it to be pretty close to just godwin right from the start because they're not going to force it even if that means like your five weeks it takes that would suck and at his price he's not worth it if he misses five weeks but to me it seems like it's they're, they're projecting like a late september or, you know misses one through three weeks then you get the wide receiver six of last year that they've, they've really taken their time with. They know he's fully healthy. I, I like Godwin a lot, especially you know, that he's going late fifth, early sixth right now. I think Godwin's a great player. So uh, ACLs have kind of become just a, a non-issue for most players. And it, it, it packs different positions differently, but receivers have typically seemed to recover fast from ACL tears. And Godwin's just like one of the hardest workers out there. So I'm not too worried about Godwin coming back from that ACL. I guess the only Real concern with him is like he goes at the same range as Amon Ross St. Brown. And as you guys heard, you know, we're both very, very high on Amon to be a just absolute steal in that fifth round range. So I, I like Godwin a lot, and especially when I f- he falls to the sixth, like all day, going to hammer that. Yeah, two spot, good team there for sure. Eckler, too, I don't mind that at all. I actually have him at you know, that three, four range. I have him ahead of McCaffrey myself. So that's probably what you're you're getting at, Chris. Are you an idiot to take him over McCaffrey? I don't think so. If McCaffrey plays 16 games, then yes, you are. But I, I've had McCaffrey two years in a row. I'm not going back to the well unless he falls to five. If he plays all the games, he's going to be the best player in fantasy, probably by 100 points too. So that's the, the risk of passing on McCaffrey. But I can't stomach the risk anymore. I, I can't. I, I'd rather absorb that risk of passing on him than the risk you know, of, of owning him and him playing 11, you know, missing 11 games, as it's always been the case. He's played, what, like six combined games the last two years? So I, I don't think that's a bad pick. I personally, especially you said PPR, I probably would have looked to Cup or Jefferson ahead of Eckler, but I can't fault you either. I, I really like Eckler. He's in my he's my lock in my top five for sure. So if you wanted running back and Taylor was gone, I don't blame you at all for that. I, I think that's a solid pick, um, even though I probably would have gone Cup or Jefferson myself. 
um, and see what falls back. If you know Kamara there or something in round two, see what happens. All righty, folks. Well, that seems to be it. Thank you, Chris and Jason. Awesome comments and questions this whole time. Of course, if you're catching the replay here, you want to comment in, I'll answer any questions on the video that are posted throughout the day and whenever they come up. Um, you can also find me at Roto Street Wolf for any questions as well. My rankings updated daily at rotostreetjournal.com slash big board. But rotostreetjournal.com is the homepage where we breed and feed fancy wolves. Tons of great articles, whether it's best ball, dynasty, DFS, or just redraft. That's all you're looking for. We're capturing the news with our stock watches, all the good stuff. So find all that content. You prefer podcasts as well. The fancy full bag dive is where we pave your path to 2022 titles in the audio format. All right, guys. I'm the wolf. Thank you so much again for being here on your way out. If you haven't already, please consider hitting that thumbs up, sub into the channel. We have some more great guests lined up. Grant Barfield next week, Pat Fitzmorris, Pete Over. We just loaded with good guests for the rest of the summer until I'm back in school and we'll have our, our own streams in the fall. But man, we got some great stuff coming. A guide is launching this weekend. Got to go finish that up the rest of today. But if you enjoy this content, please like, please sub. Hit me up at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter. Thanks again, W Stream. I appreciate that, Jason W fan, being here and interacting as well as you are. Awesome, guys. Best of luck. If you have any drafts this weekend, show me how they go. The world full of fancy sheep. Be the wolf guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead, Devlin, second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.